0: Good morning, church family. Bear with us as we uh, get set up for just a little bit, but we're so glad to be with you guys this morning Um, and especially thankful, oh, thanks so much, Mark, um, to be with you um, for this last Sunday of Advent. If you've been able to join with us over the past few weeks, we have been so privileged and blessed to hear from a multitude of different voices and um, participants in our worship, which has just been beautiful. And um, next week we get to hear from the amazing Will Baxter again, which we're so excited. And then at the beginning of the year, we get to hear from Dr. David Fleer. And if you don't know David Fleer, he, one, he actually had a birthday yesterday. So when you see him in the near future, you can say happy late birthday, but um, he is not only going to be our interim consultant and preacher for the next few months and weeks, But he's also this amazing preacher and teacher who I've been blessed and benefited with the opportunity to learn with and under um, at Lipscomb University. And he's just an amazing voice that we're really excited to hear from. He's compassionate. um, He is loving. And I think his voice and unique style of not only preaching but also consulting will bring our family uh, unified for the transformation that we're seeking. So we're super excited about that. Um, and we have some fun things going on this week.
1: Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Good. Thank you. It (laughs) took me that long to get this thing on, so good morning, everybody. We're so glad you're here, and I get to tell you a couple fun things. Keith mentioned them already, but we're having our drive-in Christmas extravaganza. I think you heard the details, so I won't go all over it again, but it is today from 2 to 4, and it's going to be wonderful. During that time, we're having our Nativity play another way, so that's going to be very special. So we hope you can be there today. And as a children's minister, I must mention that you, if you're a child and you are here, um, I want you to convince the person that drives you in your home to drive you through our little Christmas party tomorrow from one to two p.m. right here in that same north parking lot under the portico. We're going to have some treats, and some cookies, and some cocoa, and a surprise guest, and all those things. But it really is a simple, sweet, we want to give you an uh, air, hug around your neck kind of moment, and say hello. Miss Devin and I, and Miss Nicole is going to be there too, so we're excited to see you.
0: Yeah, so many fun things going on, and not to forget our amazing Christmas Eve caroling service um, this Thursday evening, in case you forgot that Christmas Eve is this Thursday, because some of us are feeling it coming on a little soon, right? Um, But... We are just so glad to be with you for this last day of Advent. And as the Oakleys wonderfully led us into this theme of love. And churches for generations have focused in on this word of love with kind of a central figure. Um, Yes, of course, we have Jesus, whose coming is always our centerpiece for love and all good things. Um, But the Mother Mary is another beautiful symbol of this love. This mother who, it's not just her maternal love that we learn from in this adoration for Jesus, nor is it just her loyalty to her familial commitment to Joseph and and the rest of her surrounding community, but it's also this amazing representation of this depth of love that she reciprocates with God in taking on this love of God, giving her his son to bear on earth and her caring and pushing that forward to the generations. Her receiving this promise that has been given by God for generations to come. Mm-hmm. And this prophecy that has to continued to be fulfilled through this birth of a baby boy. This Jesus that we know. Um, and we get to have a hand in that prophecy. Which is what we're excited to dive into this morning. But before we do that... Um, Will you pray with us?
1: Yeah, pray with us, please. Our Father, God, our Savior, Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your act of love for us. We thank you for leaving your place of privilege and position to become a finite, humble, vulnerable infant. And thank you for giving yourself, not only in the manger, but on the cross, Jesus. On the cross. We're asking you today to show us how to more fully comprehend your love for each of us. And as we do this, God, as we do this, Jesus, please embolden us. Embolden us to magnify your glory in this place, in this world where we are, to live out that promise of love and worth that you are always fulfilling in us. We love you. Amen.
0: Amen. Um. So most of us know Mary's famous words at the end of Luke 1. That's kind of like really the most we ever hear from Mary in all of Scripture is this beautiful song of praise that she gives. Um, but we also know another uh, well-known song that we often reference around this time, Mary, did you know? And we all know the answer to that, absolutely not. Um, and so that's, that's what this beauty is in learning with Mary and seeing this love and looking at her as the lens of love of God for all of us right now, that Mary represents for God, who once again, who chose her to be the mother of his son on earth. But there's some context to this story that I think will really um, give us a better vision into what this love represents.
1: Okay, yeah, so we know Mary is young and she's betrothed to be married, right? So that is what happened always then. If you were a girl and you hit puberty, you got betrothed. This is what society did. This is what a community had to do to maintain stability and growth, and that is what every girl, really, that's their only thing they could do to secure a place of stability and a home and safety, right? So, here is Mary, and um, she's living in this promise that she has to Joseph. I mean, I always, yeah, to Joseph. I always, I've been saying Moses for some reason, and I've been thinking about it. Moses is there. We know he's there. But So, she's living in this promise to, to Joseph. And um, then out of nowhere, boom, here comes Gabriel. And we're in this um, Luke chapter 1, verse 28. And um, the angel went to her and said, greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And then the next verse says Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be oh my goodness, I can't help it. She is a teenager and she's scared to death because there's an authority figure calling her name like, "Uh, hello, Mary, I'm right here. I mean, do you remember that? I mean, Ruby, every time I call, if I stand in your room, Ruby, especially if I use her middle name, most of your response is, am I in trouble? What? Ruby, I need to speak with you. Uh Am I in trouble? I just can't help but think she's, I just think that, I don't know, it made me kind of smile. She's greatly troubled. But now, of course, she's feeling this, this, This feeling of authority right there. And she's this teenager and she's quaking, right? And of course, all of the angels, because she is in the presence of God, this angel says, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And then Gabriel continues to tell her that she is going to have the Son of God, the Most High, this king that's going to rule for generations. It's wonderful. Wow, how exciting. And then she has a chance to respond. And you know she says, yes, yes. May your words be fulfilled in me. May this words, uh, yeah, words to me be fulfilled. So she says yes. But she says yes, and we all don't understand. We talked about the promise she was just in, that promise with Joseph. Saying yes is risking losing that spot, that promise, that security of her life. But she doesn't do this because she's just, oh, a teenager. They say yes to everything. No. She says yes because she understands, and I think this is really important, and this is what we're talking about, she understands who she is in God's promise. And I think that is so important. She's, she knows she's favored by God. Gabriel said this twice to her. She's favored by God, not because of who she is, but because of who God is. Not because of her, but because of God. So, of course, she follows this, yes, I'll do it, with the Magnificat, with magnifying God's love because she knows who she is in God.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, really, it is God who gives the favor. Mary does nothing to earn the favor. It's not because of her position or her lack thereof position that she receives this favor and is able to gain this opportunity. But it is because God bestows this upon her despite and because of who she is, which I think is the most beautiful context um, for this passage. And so we come to Luke, verses uh, 46 through 56 What we hear in this passage is this connection to past, present, and future, this all periods of time, this connector that God's promise and prophecy brings all of these things together. Mary connects the promise of her ancestors, the coming of the Messiah, God's love for his people in this promise, but she doesn't stop there. She looks forward. She looks to see, okay, where will this love extend? What will this look like moving forward? Because Mary also looks to the future generations the prophecy of God's love and truth to be carried out beyond her. The Magnificat, these words, a super fancy way of saying Mary's top 100 song, um, harkens back to another familiar family member in the story of God. This matriarch, this person that we know as Hannah, Hannah, the mother of Samuel. Uh, Right now, there's been a lot of conversation, which has been beautiful on social media about the grandmothers of faith with Tamar and Rahab and Ruth and these beautiful images. But what's beautiful is Hannah's also a part of this. No, she's not a direct line to Jesus, but these words are a connector for the two of them. Because Hannah, if you don't know who she is, 1 Samuel chapters 1 and 2 speak to this desperation of this woman unable to have children. This prayer that she's calling out to God, and she's like, please give me a son so I can have this security and this stability and this opportunity to have a prophecy going forward. And there's this connection between Samuel and Jesus. Because Samuel, the son of Hannah, this fulfillment of this promise that was called upon to God by Hannah, Samuel is the right hand of David, the pinnacle of what it means to be a king in Israel. This royal connection that leads forward and looks into what Jesus' identity is and what Jesus' promise and prophecy is as this king of all the earth. And it seems as if Mary has Hannah's words almost as this chorus hanging out behind her prayer's lyrics, this reminder of her identity. Because Hannah's story, Mary responds to God's bestowing of favor with worth and humility. She's able to recognize God's love as the promise and prophecy. And we see this grandmotherly role that Hannah also plays in this story. My grandmothers were some of my favorite people on the planet. Um, And this is my maternal grandmother, as I called her, Granny A. And um, I often tell people that uh, my grandmother raised me. And this isn't because my parents don't love me and a little bit too much (laughs) at times, um, or that they would um, put down everything they have in amidst an emergency, or give me plenty of free meals, even at 27 years old when I can cook for myself. My parents love me and they take care of me still to this day. But my grandmother is the one who raised me, because she is the one who set the foundation for what my identity and my heritage is, not just in the bloodline heritage and identity, but because of my spiritual heritage and identity. She reminded me of who I was and who God said I was and instilled that promise into me that I may be a prophecy of carrying out that love forward.
1: Evan, I am so glad you brought up your grandmother because I get to talk about my granny now. And my granny is one of my favorite people that ever walked this earth. This is a quick photo I I, uh, got Mike to to send me. But that's some (laughs) of my family there. That's my immediate family with granny right there. That was Christmas 2001. Yeah. So my granny also, we call her our spiritual matriarch, and this December 9th, she would have been 100 years old, and she died 18 years ago, I will say, but um, she would have been um, 100 this, this month. And this month we were um, multiple generations of, of us cousins we were texting, remembering her, because she is truly our spiritual matriarch and one of my cousins put up this just text on the picture. And this is a picture that was just always on her wall in her tiny little house. Oh, it just makes me cry because, you know, you just don't pay attention. It's always there. And it flooded me with that feeling. And then the next thing I said, oh my goodness, I, I love that. And he said, well, it's a copy of Esther's, which is the daughter of my grandmother. And this is another child. And then his, another generation below me, text another copy of this same thing that she has in her house that her kids are seeing. And I just was flooded with this verse. And it's interesting that we read it today. I don't know if you told Mark or how how that got there. But I want to read this verse to you. And this is Psalms 102, verse 18. Let this be written for a future generation that a people not yet created may praise the Lord. And that just Wow, look what my granny's faithfulness, her faithfulness of living out that promise um, and and living out that prophecy gave to generations and blessed us so much. So, yes, that's made me think of that verse. And and it so ties into Mary, what Mary was doing, because, yeah, Hannah was 1,000 years before Mary was created, and here she is saying the same things that Hannah had said, lifting those same passages because she had heard them, like you said, that chorus behind her. So, this is such a beautiful moment because Mary knows who she is because she knows who God is, right? And she is living in this promise and fulfilling this prophecy with her own life, Um, and this we're talking about Advent a lot this month. That's what Advent is. It is this promise and prophecy. So Jesus is this promise fulfilled, and he's also part prophecy declared, right? This tension of what is and what is to come. So Jesus' humble appearance in the manger, this baby to, came, to come to be with us, he declares that humanity is good, and that humanity is worth it. We're worth it, and we're good. Say that. We're worth it, and we're good. How wonderful that is that we know this, and now we get to live in this tension. We get to live in that reality, in this promise, and that prophecy.
0: Yeah, and what's beautiful as we continue on to look at the story of Mary and Joseph and Jesus, because yes, later on this week, we're going to really celebrate the birth of Jesus, but we're looking at that tension of the promise and the prophecy of his birth, but also the second coming. And we see in chapter two, this meeting, because what happens is this beautiful tradition, this carrying out of heritage, once again, something that had been passed on to Mary and Joseph to take their firstborn to be dedicated to the temple. A baby dedication, as we call it today. And this beautiful opportunity to present this child at the temple and for him to be blessed. And they're met with these prophets, Simeon and Anna. And it's beautiful because, like, at first, Simeon's all like, Merry Christmas, everybody. Time to party. We got Jesus here. He's super, super (laughs) excited. He's so pumped about it. And he's like, I can die happy. I'm good now. But then he comes out of nowhere with this like right hook, and he's like, but love hurts, and watch out, Mary. And that's where we find ourselves here in Luke 2, 34 and 35. Because then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, specifically he focused in on Mary. That's not to say that Joseph and Jesus were dismissed for a moment, and then they just waited to hear what Mary was told by Simeon. But he's really honing in on her, and he's looking at her straight in the eyes, and he says... This child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. I'm not a parent, nor do I envision parenting being in my near future, Um, but I can relate to this mixed bag of anxiousness and joyousness that Mary is feeling, right? Because, like, she has this amazing bundled baby boy in her arms that she is just so blessed with this promise being fulfilled. But then she's hit with this realization, not just of the difficulties of parenthood, but the uncertainties of what this prophecy fulfilled really looks like. And how could Mary be prepared for Simeon's statement? How could Mary have known? She's known since day one of her pregnancy because, like, Gabriel made certain of that. And that's much farther ahead than most people have the opportunity to prepare for. And even her cousin Elizabeth, earlier on, we see she confirmed the pregnancy out of this jumping of her own child in her womb to resonate with this awesome promise that's being fulfilled And she probably even called upon Elizabeth for like diaper suggestions and what to expect when expecting (laughs) advice. But how could she really be prepared for what this means? This prophecy that Simeon is saying, how could she have known to prepare for these words? And how could we be prepared for this truth? How could we be prepared for what this prophecy means? We as believers know the prophecy, right? Or maybe you're new to faith and and the prophecies are something that you're really hopeful um, show up later on because like right now it's been a rough year. Or maybe it's been a rough couple of years or a rough century for a lot of people. But what we understand is that there is hope and we want there to be hope. Mm -hmm. But the truth is love as the promise and prophecy does not mean life without problems and pain.
1: Evan, when you say that, okay, so that scripture, so many of you, like me, I don't know if you do this, but when I'm reading Simeon saying all that, Merry Christmas, hey, hey, and then I see him just kind of lean into Mary and lock eyes with her, and it just gives me chills, this line, and a sword will pierce your own soul. You know, and here she is, like this is, you know, it's specifically to Mary, and that's one of those moments That just, oh, I literally feel that. It's like, oh, what is she in for? It makes me hurt. It makes me hurt. And it made me think of um, one of the most painful, no, not one of the, the worst time in my life, the most painful time in Mike in my life. um, We were struck with deep grief and sadness. And um, a friend of mine, this was 17 years ago, a friend of ours said to us, love is action. And it was profound to me. Of course we hear this, but that was profound to me then because I could not act. I could not do anything for myself at that time. Um, I couldn't move. So people moved for me. People gave to us and, and fed us and took care of us. And we couldn't um, be. So I saw that love is action. Love isn't just here or here. It's here. And so when you experience that love is action, you realize love is not just a dream or something, you know, simple. It's the hard part, and the hard part can hurt. And I want to tell you this. Um, the last time I read Dostoevsky, I think, was in the 90s. And it was when I tried to get through Crime and Punishment. And I don't remember if I finished it or not because I kept confusing all the names. So, But I want to use a quote by Dostoevsky because I love this quote. And it it it's weird to love it because it's kind of a rough one. But here it is. It is. Active love is a harsh and fearful thing compared to love in dreams. But isn't that true? That is the reality of the life that we live, right? His active love is a harsh and fearful thing compared with love in dreams. And I can't help but think of here is Mary. Let's go back to that passage where Simeon's talking to her. And Mary is no longer in a dream. Not that she was before, but she's, I mean, she's heard. She's keeping everything in her heart. She's heard the shepherds say these things. She's spoken to angels. And now, here it is, this sword she's preparing to feel through her her very soul. So here she sits. And um, she's invested. And she has a relationship now. So, it's much more than just the yes, right? So, the initial yes is yes. But here she is and she's not going to stop. Because she's going to live in that promise that we talked about earlier. And propel this prophecy that she is now a part of. So, she's bringing God's light into this world now. And she's magnifying his love by carrying this baby, right? By being this mother to this baby. Because... It all started because she knew who she was, but most importantly, she knew who God was and where she fit in that promise.
0: Absolutely. Like Robin just said, love is easy to hear as a word or hear as a gesture or a kind nicety every now and then. But we know that the love of God is so much deeper than that. It goes so much further beyond just words or images, and it's God's endearing qualities of being someone who hears or sees um, or even maybe feels with his creation is comforting to some degree. But God, as Maya Angelou says, leaving his high holy temple and coming into our sight to, de- to liberate us into life is truly the promise and prophecy. Jesus coming not just to see our pain, but to feel our pain is love, the promise and prophecy. Jesus healing, not just sympathizing with our ailments, is love as the promise and prophecy. And Jesus dying, not just witnessing death and, and weeping over death, but truly feeling death and rising from it is love as the promise and And prophecy. Because love is deeper than shallow platitudes. Love is promise that His presence we won't have to be without, and love is prophecy that we have hope to hold on to in hard and uncertain times of life. That love that we see here as promise and prophecy shows us that we are worth it and it's worth investing in and acting upon. Because love frees us to be that prophecy, to bring good news to the rest of creation. But we don't want this promise to be just something that we hold on to in our hands because we're afraid it's gonna be ripped out of our grips. And we don't want this prophecy to be something that's just heard in this room and only for this group of people. So like any good youth and children's minister, we got some practical things to do with this. We got something to, to actually act this out, <laughs> to be love in action, as Robin said. So on the screen, as some of you might have seen, even in the four years, we have these little cards that we want you guys to take with you as a family or friends um, and, and do as individuals or as a community to really practice this love as the promise and prophecy in action to Mm -hmm. take little steps to spread this prophecy beyond yourself for it not just to be something that is heard in this room, but that goes beyond us. And Robin, as a preacher's daughter, you know a good thing about some altar calls, right? I do,
1: I do. (laughs) I could start right now. I guess I will say, here's the beginning of the altar call. Where is your love in your action? what what is it where is it what are you doing today what can you do today to live in that promise and the prophecy and i've got more to say but first i'm going to say mark and the praise team if you want to start coming up i will uh oh, i'm taking nathan's all of his music hold on <laughs> yes so that's the question where are you in this promise and prophecy that you're living in because I have this written down. Advent is known as the season of waiting, right? But we're not waiting passively. We're not sitting on our hands waiting. No. This is the time we, like Mary, we lift up our voices and we lift up our lives and we move with action in the promise and the prophecy. Remember, and I just keep remembering that we're worth it. God said it is good. He made the world and said it is good. He made us and said it is very good. Remember... That we're part of this world. And I know this year, we don't even have to say, I'll just say this year. So whatever Christmas is right now to you, my prayer, wherever you are right now, sitting in this season, my prayer for you is that you let Christmas speak to your goodness. To your goodness now and the goodness that is to come. That you sit in this tension of good and the good that you will be. And you never forget that you are part of God's promise and that the life you live will propel his prophecy and glory and magnify his love on this world. Because you know who he is and you know who you are. Amen.